Welcome to This Week in the State Line, a conversation with the local people and local topics you care about. Good morning, it's Steve Summers. We start off by talking with the Rockford Park District about so many new things coming our way. Laura Gibbs-Green, the Communications Manager, is with us this morning. Hi, Laura, how are you? Good morning, how are you? Very, very good, but confused, as I'm sure a lot of residents in the state line are, about the Illinois Snow Sculpting Competition and why it was moved a week. We need a little bit more time because we need some more consistently cold temperatures. And reason being, yes, we do have a lot of beautiful snow that's on the ground, but you know, a couple of years ago, Steve, we made a decision as a park district to, um, we used to get our snow from the runways of the Rockford Airport. And a couple of years ago, we um, ended up making our own snow. And since then, that's about 2016, we started doing that. And since then, we've really um, just kind of said, you know what, we're going to continue to just make our own snow, no matter what happens with Mother Nature. And this is the year that, of course, we do actually have some snow on the ground. But even still, it's a more consistent product when we make it ourselves. It's very pure. It's pristine. The sculptures that you see then as a community are going to look that much more, uh, you know, more appealing to you even, too, because it's that, again, untouched, perfect canvas for the artists to be working with, the sculptors to, to enjoy, and us as community members watching to enjoy. So we just need some more time to make some more snow ourselves because um, it takes about one of those blocks a state block itself takes about 2.5 tons of snow which in pounds is some astronomical amount if we equate it to that so wow and how many of those big blocks are you needing because obviously you do the math it takes a while it does. We um, will have 10 teams. There's nine state teams competing, and then we always have one exhibition team. It's the team who won the year before. And then we have uh, eight high school teams that will be competing. Their blocks are a little smaller, so state blocks are 6 feet by 6 feet and 10 feet high. And then the high school blocks are 4 feet long, 4 feet wide, and 6 feet high. Still, it's about 19, maybe 20 blocks. And once you take the forms off, if it didn't hold, you got to redo it again. So there is some time involved in this. And really, there's a lot of science that goes into, you wouldn't believe what all has to go into, you know, making snow and the right temperatures make a big difference. And we have to have those right temperatures and humidity. Humidity is a big factor, too, in making snow. And so, you know what, we just, we appreciate everybody giving us just a little bit more time so we can go ahead. We know we had a couple warm days and, and now we are able to, you know, really crack out crack open those snow machines and get going. And so we're excited about being able to, we're optimistic about pushing it back and we're excited that. We can get some colder temperatures in our forecast here. It's still free. It'll be the 35th annual installment of the Illinois Snow Sculpting Competition, which is supposed to be this week, but we moved it to, what, January 27th through the 30th? 27th through the 30th, yep. It'll still be the kind of the same timeline. And, yeah, you know, the the... Each year, I think it's the best of the best of the best. And then I see the, you know, we just released uh, the artist renditions kind of of what their, the sculptors give us drawings. And we put those out on our Facebook page and on our website of what you're going to be expecting to see. And if you take a look at those, unbelievable, just the artwork <laughs> itself. And then to think of that in a, you know, 10 feet high sculpture of snow. I mean, it just, it's just mind blowing. So we're really appreciative of everybody that gets involved. Each year there's new teams. There's always new high school teams that are, uh, you know, coming aboard with us, new advisors that are coming in. So there's a lot of new sculptors that are doing this for the first time. And it's a lot on their end to do it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of hours going into it, a lot of hours during the event. You know, obviously this year we've made some changes due to, to COVID. So there are some different regulations and rules that are in place, but you know what? 
being outdoors and recreating is still something that we can certainly all do. And not to mention, you know, you've got a lot of distance that's between these blocks, so no problems there. Sculptors themselves have a lot of layers of protection on already and also have a lot of distance between them too. So really, we, we looked at everything and we're able to really uh, make this happen. And we think that probably people are going to be coming out, you know, in record numbers as we've seen through some of our other things we've done in the winter months with All Aglow and then, of course, um, the Festival of Lights through Mississippi Park. People are, are looking for something like this for the family to load up in the car and, and take a drive and ooh and ah and, you know, have their own little family competition of which one they like the best. And <laughs> we're encouraging that. So the high schools that are participating, do you uh, know which ones in the area are going to be there? Or is it just usually the same ones or... No, we usually have yeah, everybody sign up ahead of time. So we've got uh, just looking at Pectonica High School. Keith uh, is a submitting. We've got uh, Christian Life, Byron, uh, Hananiga, Belvedere North, and Pectonica, and Rockford Christian and Rockford Lutheran. All right. So just a few of the schools and the teams from all over the country coming to our city January 27th through the 30th for the snow sculpting competition and the renditions, the artwork at rockfordparkdistrict.org. My favorite so far is the bird feeding the baby birds in the nest. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so crazy good. That's Isn't that cute? Yeah. All right, so tell and me a little a bit about it. a very special one this year, too, that, uh, you know, uh, we, we our advisor and the lead of this uh, whole thing for many, many years is a dear friend of the, many of the community, John Beck, Alderman, and then also worked for the Rafford Park District. And unfortunately, he, uh, we lost him this past year. And so there's going to be just a special, special sculpture that we're, we're really touched by. The, comp- uh, the uh, award-winning team from last year is going to put together a special sculpture just in John's honor, which is going to be really nice. Yeah, no pressure. No pressure on that one, right? Yeah. Uh, As far as you mentioned, the Nicholas Conservatory, and I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're going to keep the lights on for a while longer? Well, not the full All Aglow exhibit. So we're basically going to reduce everything down. The team, the the crew's already started taking down the lights. So not all of them are staying, but we're going to do just what we're calling kind of Eclipse Lagoon is is the beautiful uh, water behind the the conservatory. And we're going to keep lagoon lights up. So if you want to take a stroll around the back half, when the temperatures are right, which we aren't at yet, and that lagoon freezes, it has to have a, a long time to freeze, um, that'll be a place where people can go enjoy skating. So we thought if we left some of those lagoon lights on, that's just going to really enhance that experience to be outdoors and play hockey or do ice skating or, you know, even just walk. We know people are still really getting out and utilizing that bike path and just taking a stroll. Um, we've seen, again, just record numbers along the bike path this winter and, and layering up is the cool thing to do. And we appreciate everybody taking some time to get some fresh air and, and be outdoors. So we've got the the lights at a variety of parks and then the lights at, at Eclipse Lagoon are going to remain open through, uh, stay on through the end of February. And Bravo, truly stunning. My wife, my daughter, and I went there that last weekend just in case it was going to be shut off, and they were amazing. Wow. So you got the full experience. So thank you for everybody who did come come out because uh, yeah, the crew already started taking (laughs) taking the lights down and and packing them away. And believe it or not, Steve, they already know a lot of what they want to change and do for next year. That's crazy good. Uh, The other parks that are with lights, do you have a list of those? Because I know there's a lot of parks that I've never even heard of before that are going to have lights on too. Yeah, 
had Levings Park, Brown Park, Fairgrounds Park, uh, Wants Park, and then Washington Park Community Center all have just a little bit of a, a winter light display. By no means is this anything like Festival of Lights or All Aglow, but, you know, our maintenance team came up with this concept and this idea, and, and they each park is a little something different, so maybe it's a shelter that's just got some white lights to it, but we've been getting a lot of really great feedback from uh, many in our community that are just appreciative of something to help them smile through these, through these dark winter months, and so we initially thought, well, we'll just keep it on through the end of January, and really, we've heard so many people say, could, could you extend it? You know, I'm, I'm loving the fact that you have these. Can don't turn them off. You know, we're in no hurry. So, um, you know, we're just trying to help people's spirits keep a little bright, uh, during these, uh, next couple of months as we get, okay. as we hopefully get through the end of this pandemic. And they're going to be on through the end of February then. They'll be on through the end of February. Yep. Right. And, uh, and so you're also concerned about the temperatures because you have a snowman building contest, which I think <laughs> is so cute. You got to tell us more about that. Yeah, we're Rocky the Snowman is who we're, we're we, we know Frosty the Snowman, but we're introducing Rocky the Snowman, and Rocky's our polar bear mascot. Normally, Rocky lives at Carlson Ice Arena and Sephora Play World, but he's he's out and about this winter, man. He cannot be hibernating indoors, and so he said, you know what, we should we should do a contest, and so we're asking the community. We're thankfully with the uh, support that we received from Collins Aerospace. This would not happen without them. I want you to all know that they um, were able to donate to to the cause. And, and just said, hey, kids deserve to have some fun. So we got together and put 1,000 free Rocky the Snowman kits together. So in that kit, you're getting the signature blue scarf that Rocky wears. Uh, you're getting everything you need for the eyes and the nose and the mouth. And then you're getting blue Kool-Aid so you can make your own paw prints because, of course, Rocky has paws. <laughs> and uh, we've created a whole entire new jingle to Rocky the Snowman. is uh, Rock, Frosty the Snowman is now Rocky the Snowman. So we've even got a song. Rocky and we're asking everybody. The snowman to, is a very yeah. happy soul kind of thing, right? You got it. That's it. We should have called you to sing it. Doggone it. <laughs> no, we're okay. We're okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're asking everybody to go ahead and get involved. Um, put your creative juices, uh, get them outside, get the kids together. You can pick up these uh, free while supplies last. We've got 1,000 kits that are available for anybody who wants to pick them up at our customer service locations. Um, and then we've also distributed about 500 to some of our community centers. Our goal is to get them in the hands of ki of kids and teens and, and families. So that's kind of really what we're hoping um, will happen by this. And just another chance to get outside, do something fun, utilize your front yard. You know, we've got snow on the ground, so this is the perfect time to do it. And then if you do it, we're just asking everybody to maybe snap a quick picture and send it to us and be a part of the contest. And those photos need to be submitted by Sunday, February 28th. So plenty of time. All right, so you answered my first question, February 28th, you got to get everything in. Uh, what are you winning? What are you playing for? What, what's just because? Because that's always fun, too. Yeah, well, we do have a little grand prize package for the most creative Rocky the Snowman. So that winter we'll receive a special gift basket that we're putting together. And then we're going to enter everybody into a drawing uh, for a, to win a four-pack of tickets to use at the snow park. So cool. We're talking to Laura Gibbs-Green from the Rockford Park District, not only about the snow sculpting competition being bumped a week, but about the extension of the lights and the snowman kits, which are awesome. Can you get those at the Carlson Arctic Ice Arena as well? 
Of course, Rocky lives there, so we would have to have him available where Rocky's at. So, yes, Carlson Ice Arena, uh, UW Health Sports Factory, those are kind of our two customer service uh, locations, so you can go ahead and get those there, and uh, a variety of other places. We've got this all on our website, Steve, so if you are looking to go, what, where, where do I go, what do I do, rockforparkdistrict.org backslash winterfun is kind of our headquarters for a variety of things to do outdoors. We're calling it a winter flurry. We want you to have a flurry of fun this winter. Always love talking to you, Laura. Have a, a great week, and I can't wait to see you at the Snow Sculpting Competition. Sounds good. Can't wait to see everybody. That's Laura Gibbs-Green with the Rockford Park District. More in a moment on This Week in the State Line. The National Runaway Safe Line helps keep America's runaway, homeless, and at-risk youth safe and off the streets. We're here to help 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, through the 800-Runaway Hotline, as well as online services at 1-800-RUNAWAY.org. This Week in the State Line rolls on. We're talking to Jeff Holtman, the CEO of Illinois Bank and Trust. He's one of the co-chairs for the Greater Rockford growth group which was just created here in the past month or so so good morning jeff how are you good morning steve how are you today very good so i guess congratulations we now have a greater rockford growth group what does that mean yeah just take a quick step back uh the uh economic development council and the rockford chamber of commerce handful of board members um and leadership there spent the better part of the last two years uh investigating is there a better way that we can have these two organizations come together to you know serve the need for economic development and create the great business environment to grow and attract businesses here so uh, after a pretty lengthy journey last July or last June, July, both boards uh, voted to move forward under what's called an umbrella partnership. And so we established a unification committee that uh, has now officially established the Greater Rockford Growth Partnership. So the, the partnership basically serves as an umbrella organization to the Economic Development Council and the Chamber of Commerce and potentially additional partners as it would hopefully grow uh, in the coming months and years. And the goal of the partnership is really to provide the strategic overlay and vision for the things we need to accomplish as a community. It then allows the Economic Development Council, which, which maintains its identity, uh, to focus on growing uh, businesses that are here, finding new businesses to move to town. It allows the Chamber to focus on its core mission uh, around uh, education and advocacy and networking and, and small businesses. And, and it really allows the partnership to tackle kind of those big issues that need a lot of community stakeholder work. It also allows us to be a lot more efficient with what we're calling strategic shared services, uh, things that we were kind of duplicating. And there's just a better way to do that together. Uh, and again, the vision is that uh, we don't stop at these two partners long term. Uh, we've studied uh, the best national models to accomplish work like this. Uh, this is the best national model. It's the best fit for our community. And we're really excited to have announced the name uh, two weeks ago. We're in process in the next week or so. We will have an exciting announcement regarding initial leadership of the partnership. Uh, and we hope in the next uh, about 30 days, the first board of directors will also be announced. So a lot of great work being uh, done by this uh, working committee. Uh, all volunteers uh, that really given their heart and soul over the last seven months to help uh, this aspect of our community grow and thrive. It makes a lot of sense because the saying of, you know, divided we fall, united we grow, it's kind of the same principle here, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, collaboration, uh, it's, a, it's a great buzzword. And, and like these two organizations, they, they, they work together well and, and, and they tried. I, there, we're, there's just a 
fundamental belief that when you are a part of the organization, I, I think it just allows greater focus, greater clarity, less overlap. You know, we don't have abundant resources. We don't have unlimited resources, whether they're in dollars or talents. And so uh, by allowing everybody to come under one organization and really providing for the right support and the right clarity, we think each partner organization will ultimately be more successful in implementing their piece of the overall pie. We are talking to Jeff Holtman, the CEO of Illinois Bank and Trust, one of the co-chairs for the Greater Rockford Growth Partnership, which was just announced. Who's your other co-chair? Can I ask? Yeah, Terry Vosco. He's the lead at Woodward. Uh, so it's been great to work with Terry and, and I just got a shout out to Woodward. I mean, to have uh, leadership there so engaged in our community uh, has been uh, fantastic. He took over from Sagar Patel, who's also shown great leadership over the years at the Economic Development Council. So it's really been a privilege to, to serve with Terry in this capacity. He's a, he's a great uh, community leader and, and Woodward is such a key instrumental part of where we've been and where we're going as a community. And it's been great to have them uh, at the table on this design. So I understand that the Chamber's a big part of this. So what's been the response of Chamber members so far with this early stage? Yeah, and as we went through this process over the last two years, we had hired a national consultant to help guide this work and do some of the national best practice analysis. So we've been very involved with our board members, our stakeholders, and our members through surveys and and focus groups. And I would say at the end of the day, both the investors in the Economic Development Council and the members at the Chamber, um, they all just want things to be better, faster, clearer, and more effective. And I think everybody in their gut, because these are all business people, understand there probably just was a better way to do this. Uh, and whether everybody thinks this of the 10 national models is the best way or not, I think we've come a long way on the community dialogue over the last six or 12 months. It's less trying to explain you know, why we're doing this, why we're investigating. And now it's all about, okay, this is the direction we're heading. Uh, this is why we've done it this way. And this is really now about implementing and really starting to see uh, results. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. That's a challenge uh, that's even, you know, exasperated the challenges in the in the region economically, uh, growth-wise. And uh, we think it's the perfect time with all the challenges to really come out of this stronger on the other way, on the other side. And we think one of the ways we'll come out stronger is by having uh, these organizations better aligned, better focused, and more efficient to accomplish the overall goals. That's a good answer because I was wondering what the, the input from the chamber members were, and you kind of told me what they wanted, efficiency and uh, better decisiveness and to get it done. And clarity. I think sometimes if you are if you run a business or you're an executive, one of our businesses, you're kind of confused who was doing what, you know, whether for your indirect services or macroly, you know, kind of who owned what part of this overall growth for the business community. It's not easy, you know, growing a business community and making the community vibrant for businesses to grow and come is not a simple task. So that's why we're even more committed that, that, that by having refocused and and, and additional clarity, uh, we think we have a best chance for long-term success. I think you're right. I think the timing is perfect for the Greater Rockford Growth Partnership because before, nothing against the chamber, but it was a place to network and exchange business cards and, and yep. things like that. And now it's a survival because of the pandemic. So this could be a really good asset at the right time for the area. Yeah, we're uh, we're very we're very bullish and optimistic on it. There, you know, when we did our continuing to do benchmarking and learning from other communities that have. Done 
done similar things. It was interesting when we talked to our consultant, this is now accelerating across the country because of the pandemic. You know, just the fiscal realities of organizations like these are the fiscal realities of members of investors or public sector money. So a lot of communities are now starting this because they have to. And in our community, you should be complimented. We started this for strategic reasons and long-term reasons. And now we're ahead of the game and ready to move forward with implementation, even in a very challenging time for many. All right. So we're talking to Jeff Holtman from the Illinois Bank of Trust about the Greater Rockford Growth Partnership. Jeff, if you had a crystal ball in front of you right now, what would you think would be the number one goal? I mean, are we trying to bring like Disneyland to Rockford or yeah. what, what are we trying to do with the, the crystal ball, the goal? Yeah. And I think about it in, in three pockets. So first of all, we've got a very strong, good business community here for a long time. Obviously very strong in manufacturing, all its subsectors like aerospace, et cetera, a very strong medical uh, community, logistics, uh, transportation, et cetera. So we've got a lot of great things here. So one of one, number one, make sure that we have set up the right place for those businesses to be able to grow. And that's not easy, but that's public private sector partnerships. That's clarity. Just making sure that those businesses are here. We can keep them here and growing and do everything we can uh, outside of their business to make this the best place to do that. Uh, number two, um, I think we need to be more direct and more specific around our targeted points. Your point, we're not going to have Disneyland here, <laughs> but there are things that are very attractive to this community, to potential employers, a very strong uh, workforce, uh, very interesting geography, things like the airport, the access to the tollway, uh, uh, being niched and being focused around our, uh, about our attraction uh, efforts, I think also is important. There's also an interesting dynamic starting with the pandemic that uh, whether it's the talent who can now work remotely or it's companies that are maybe thinking, you know, maybe being in major, major urban areas is not the easiest place to live and, and balance all these things. So we think there is an opportunity now ahead of us over the next 12 or 24 months to be a potential destination as a secondary or tertiary city uh, relative to large urban districts. And then three, uh, the thing that I'm really excited about too, we've, we've never really as a community, I think, been overly organized and serious around startup and entrepreneurship. So that's one of the tenets of this new organization that we will now have focus and clarity around trying to make this a better, easier place to start a business. So I think those are really the three tenants as we look forward. And if, we're, if we can be running on all three of those cylinders, I think we'll have uh, we'll have success long term for sure. Well, the one thing we've learned through the pandemic, all businesses, I think each and every one of us individually as well, is how to reinvent ourselves. And the reinvention of the Greater Rockford Growth Partnership could be as I said earlier, the right thing at the right time. So how do I reach out to you if I have questions or I want to be a part of it or I have input or thoughts? How do we get in touch? Yeah, there's probably several ways. Um, hopefully you're already an, an Economic Development Council investor or a chamber member. You can reach out to leadership at either one of those organizations. They're hand in glove with our uh, unification committee around that work. So you can always get clarity directly through those two partner organizations. Um, my information, we could share that. Jeff Holtman at Illinois Bank and Trust and I'm sure Terry Vosco at Woodward would be happy to field calls and, uh, and emails as well. We have a full committee, again, working on all this. I think what will happen, Steve, in the coming uh, probably 
probably 60, 90 days as we get this, you know, operationalized and in the board form and the executive director named or CEO named. Um, I think there will be a lot of opportunities to be engaged in the coming couple months. Mm-hmm. I know it's a challenge. Again, everybody's trying to keep their businesses open and thriving. So, uh, but I think there will, and one of the things we also are, are very much committed to is a much better uh, job communicating constantly with uh, our business community and our public sector uh, partners around what's going on and what we need from each other. So I think just be be kind of aware of upcoming communication because I think we'll be better at that. And then if you have interest uh, in potentially supporting and we will ultimately uh, continue to have revamped you know committees that are working on things like workforce, et cetera. So just be ready when the time comes to put your, your, your expertise uh, to help us. And I think also being open for us to talk to you. Uh, the great thing about our community is we have businesses of all sizes uh, in all different industries. And we, the best thing we can do as a partnership is learn what you all need to be successful. So just being open to that, maybe half hour, an hour call from uh, representatives of the partners or the partnership to make sure that we're on track to do what you need uh, to be successful long-term. Well, congratulations, Jeff, on the creation of the Greater Rockford Growth Partnership. And I, I've come across many of these times, this phrase, and, and it really applies here now. I wish you success because your success is our success. So, Yeah, I really appreciate the time, uh, Steve. Uh, thanks for all you're doing to get uh, communication out on things like this. I really just can't say enough. Thank uh, both boards of directors for thinking differently and being willing to take a little bit of a risk here. Thanks to uh, Terry, my co-chair, and our committee. I mean, the amount of hours that go into this is just unbelievable. But a willingness as a community to think differently and not just do it the way we always did it, I think is laying a great foundation for, uh, for us to grow in the future. That is Jeff Haltman from the Greater Rockford Growth Partnership. Uh, this week in the state line, Rockford Mayor Tom McNamara is next. The COVID-19 pandemic continues to weigh on us all, but we can turn worry into action. Wear a mask and keep six feet of space between yourself and others in public. Wash your hands often and stay home if you're sick. Go to cdcfoundation.org to learn more. Welcome back to This Week in the State Line. Rockford Mayor Tom McNamara is joining us. And Sir Jeff Holtman of the uh, Greater Rockford Growth Group was your lead-in, and he says to say hi. He's a wonderful guy, and we are really fortunate uh, that Jeff and so many others are leading this uh, really great collaboration. We'll start off with uh, the, the events from this past week. A lot of talk about the protesters in front of City Hall and the previous designated area and Rockford ordinances, so I'll give you a chance to expand on that a little bit. Absolutely, and before I get to that, just go back to uh, Jeff and the new partnership. I I do want to say this is a really good thing for our community. They're really, the business leaders are really leading the way uh, with this new uh, style of partnership, and I think this will be good for a couple of reasons, uh, namely two big ones. One, anytime that you have the business community engaged, uh, that's a really wonderful thing. And two, when they're engaged and aligned, that makes them even more powerful. So uh, I am very eager to continue to work with them, and a sincere thank you to Jeff and all the others who helped bring that together. Uh, as for protesters, yes, we uh, obviously we've uh, seen protests uh, in our community uh, now for months, as many other communities across the country have. Uh, we had protesters uh, who set up camp at uh, City Hall. I use some of my discretion uh, as mayor. Uh, they were breaking a number of ordinances, and they know that. Uh, ordinances include, uh, one, you need to have a permit. Two, you, you can't store things. You can't have 
generators. Uh, I mean, the number of ordinances that they uh, were not following uh, goes on and on. Uh, but I also understood that they were bringing attention to a, an important cause, uh, not just in our community, but for uh, the state and the country. And we as a city are constantly working to improve those relationships. So uh, everything uh, was moving forward. There, I think there's been some questions of why then did they get moved? And it really simply, see, you know, I sign up for being called names and uh, whatnot from people who may not like me or the policies uh, I believe are best for the city. We have City of Rockford employees who are here to serve the citizens, quite honestly, many of which don't have decision-making power, and to harass and threaten them uh, will not be tolerated. And we had employees who were threatened. We had employees whose cars were surrounded. We had an employee who was not allowed to leave the parking lot. Because of the protesters, we had an employee who had uh, their car hit uh, with the hand uh, of one of the protesters. Uh, And we're not going to tolerate that. And that's when, you know, protests kind of lose their way is when you start seeing more violent and or threatening and harassing uh, as opposed to getting your voice out and getting the cause's voice out. So absolutely, we removed them and uh, they won't be allowed back. If they're going to continue to threaten folks, uh, we'll continue to use enforcement upon them. Well said, well said. Uh, So Monday night, the beginning of this week, the cannabis fund was approved by the city council. Would you like to expand about the uh, sales tax? Absolutely. So uh, about a year ago, uh, state legislature approved recreational marijuana. And in that uh, legislation, they stated that municipalities can tax uh, recreational marijuana up to 3%. We chose to tax it at the full 3%. And then we, uh, this past Monday, we approved a policy, an overarching policy that will determine where and how those dollars are spent. So I view this policy as very specific in who it will uh, provide assistance to and very flexible in how we can provide that assistance. So it's specific in the point that It'll help those individuals most impacted by the failed war on drugs. And it'll also put dollars into distressed areas of our community. It's flexible in the standpoint that we can use these dollars for individual economic empowerment. We can use these for economic development. There could be an individual who wants to start a business in a distressed area or an individual who may have uh, a criminal history who's turned their lives around and they want to start a new business. That would qualify. It would help... uh, it could potentially help fund a reentry program for returning citizens so that they can get back up on their feet and be productive members of our community. It could be used for at-risk youth who uh, we want to help ensure that they don't enter the criminal justice system and that we get them moving on the right track. Uh, and it affords us also great opportunity and flexibility with partnerships with community organizations or other government bodies to accomplish these goals. And the last thing I'd say is, This is a direct result from uh, our community listening sessions. We held, uh, I've now held more than 30 public and private listening sessions, and folks have uh, said, well, he's just listening, he's not doing anything. Well, no, we've actually created specific action items underneath each one, uh, uh, for each one of these listening sessions, and we're accomplishing all of our goals uh, that we set out, and we're addressing those items that individuals brought forward. And just to uh, remind some listeners some of those things that we've been able to do as a direct result uh, from listening to our community, then acting and following through, 
we've addressed, uh, we've allowed citizens to review our use of force policy, and they've provided recommendations that are being implemented now. We had citizens say they wanted us to have body-worn cameras. We just allocated uh, the money in our budget uh, for 2021 to have body cameras, and we believe all of our officers will have body cameras by the middle of the summer. We have increased the training that we're providing our officers with more community police training, de-escalation, cultural awareness, implicit bias, mental health training. We were told that we needed to do a change in how we address mental health crisis calls. So we created the mental health co-responder unit that then now provides a social worker out on these mental health crisis calls. And we did other things like the cannabis sales tax uh, revenue fund, as well as things like Rockford Promise, because we heard individuals wanted uh, people to have a greater opportunity to improve their education while uh, while needing help to reduce some barriers, and the biggest barrier being financial. So our listening sessions have been uh, very productive, and a lot of legislation and good items have come out of it. It sounds like a no-brainer because you have all this new influx of cash instead of just you know storing it away in a bank somewhere. We're actually utilizing it for the needs of the community that have just recently come up and that you're addressing. So it's like connecting the dots. That's the way we look at it. And it also, I mean, not all of it will be directly tied to reducing crime, but many of the items can be. And obviously that's a major challenge. I mean, we just went through a really difficult year. and We we have to understand as a community, simply uh, policing in quotations as enforcement is not going to get us to be the safe community we all want and deserve. We have to take a holistic approach, and that starts with early childhood education all the way through training and uh, post-secondary education and initiatives that can help get individuals back on the right track when maybe they fall off. Uh, The coronavirus update, uh, the mitigations hopefully uh, releasing here. The area is going to be breathing a little bit better, but we still have coronavirus in the community, so we're still working towards lower numbers. Absolutely. So I'll start and finish this conversation the same way. A, we still need to be uh, vigilant. Uh, We need to continue to wear our face covering, practice social distancing. But with that being said, uh, our citizens, our businesses, everyone in our community and in our regions doing a great job to help reduce our positivity rate. Our hospitals are seeing more uh, that they have more capacity in their hospital beds as well as their ICUs. So we are meeting all of the requirements for getting lesser mitigations. This is where some of the gray area, uh, Steve, comes in. I will give you two potential scenarios, and I hate to be coy and give you two scenarios. The truth is we get information uh, often at the last minute from the state, quite honestly, when the public gets it as well. But I see two scenarios happening. One is there's no change to Tier 2 mitigation. So we're in Tier 3 now, and on Friday we have a high likelihood of moving uh, to Tier 2. And let's say there's no change uh, in Tier 2 mitigation. So that means that indoor dining still would not be allowed. But groups uh, but groups and organizations can meet inside restaurants. It causes a bit of a challenge, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. So how the city will handle enforcement if nothing changes is that we will move our enforcement to prioritize enforcement on face coverings, on social distancing, and on uh, registration of customers. Uh, if that's a reservation that you get at a restaurant or whatnot, we just want to know who's coming in and out. Not to, you know, know who's coming in and out, but for contact tracing. 
Right. So we'll move in that direction, which will, in essence, open up uh, and provide restaurants and other things, uh, other businesses, more flexibility. That's one scenario. The next scenario, which I think is a preferable scenario, which uh, I have been advocating for now for weeks with directly with the governor and his office, is opening up our restaurants to some capacity. Obviously, we're not going to see the restaurants open up 100%. It's just not going to happen. I think uh, what is more likely is to see them open up between 25 and 50%. That's what I'm advocating. I think our restaurant owners uh, have shown that they have taken COVID incredibly seriously. They've shown that they can put all the proper protocols in place to ensure the safety of customers as well as their employees. Uh, and quite honestly, I don't think they can afford to be shut down any longer. Uh, we have so many really fine local restaurants that have just been struggling. And even though the city has tried to do more hospitality grant programs and things of that nature, there's just not enough uh, money in the till to keep them going unless we open them up. And I think we've shown that we can do it safely. On a positive note, just to uh, change the subject as we wrap it up here today, 65 days or so, it'll be spring and you'll have potholes to deal with. So <laughs> just something to to look forward to, I guess. Absolutely. And I'll say with that, uh, two two quick things. One, we do have a, a an ice app, so if uh, snow and ice app. So if you want to know where our plows are at any time, you can go to the City of Rockford's Facebook or City of Rockford's website and download that app. It's a great tool. Second, yes, whenever we're out plowing, potholes do pop up. Make us aware of them. We'll get out there with some cold patch, see if we can fill them in. And then at the beginning of the year, definitely make us aware of those potholes. We want to get out there and fill those right away. The last thing I'll say, Steve, and many people aren't talking about this, we got a road referendum coming up on February 23rd. This is an extension of our existing road uh, 1% tax. This is a huge deal for the city of Rockford. What this allows us uh, to garner money from people who do not live in the city. It allows us to reduce uh, our reliance on property taxes, and it allows us to get a lot more work done on our roads. So maybe next week we can focus on that uh, road referendum and really urge folks to get out and vote yes for the road referendum. I look forward to that conversation, sir. Well, thank you so much, and uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you again next week. You as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Join us next Sunday morning at 6 for another edition of This Week in the State Line, or subscribe to the podcast at rockfordradio.com. This Week in the State Line is produced by Midwest Family Illinois.